0: And welcome to Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. I'm Christy, and I'm joined by the bombastic Andy Banister, all the way from Dundee.
1: Andy, how are you doing? Oh, bombastic is the word, uh, Christy. Because <laughs> the sun, the sun is shining. Uh, it only happens a couple of days a year in Scotland, but the sun is uh, is, is shining and uh, what is not uh, to like Scotland in the the sunshine well the footy results could be better but you know Scotland's a national morning because of what happens uh, a couple of nights before right it's 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 a Uh, war zone uh, here really anyway anyway Anyway.
0: is that we get to chat with Georgie Costner? Georgie welcome hello it's so great to meet you thank you um Georgie you are now let me see if I can remember this rightly you kindly just gave us (laughs) wonderful kind of um as to who you are and what you're up to you're a part-time nurse um in intensive care and you're also an associate um for cmf as the head of nurses and midwives or associate head of nurses and midwives yes
2: that is the one that's the one if my boss who is the head listens to this then i have to make it very clear that i am associate head i'm here like wing woman yeah brilliant
1: Good recovery, good recovery in case the, <laughs> for, for folks who are, for, for folks who are not familiar by the way with that, what what is CMF because you know we throw that term around and, like we know it, but for folks who are like, what are those three letters? What, what is, what's CMF?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, it's stands for the Christian Medical Fellowship, so its um, aim is to unite and equip Christian doctors and nurses and midwives to live and speak for Jesus Christ. Um, and so we do that in a number of ways, but essentially it's, it's a fellowship, a family. It's a membership organisation. So um, Christian doctors, nurses, midwives, and other healthcare professionals can join as members. And um, then we just really want to unite and equip them to, to live for Jesus, not just on Sundays, but in the everyday of working in medicine and nursing, in midwifery, in in healthcare.
0: What a, what a glorious vision, um, Georgie, and particularly thinking about what it looks like as Christians to, I guess, to hold out the word of life in, in the workplace. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Like, how did you get into nursing? Um, what does that look like for you on a day-to-day basis?
2: Yeah, well, I never... I, you Sometimes you meet these girls who's like, their mum's a nurse, their nan's a nurse, the great nans a nurse, and like, they're... Nursing genealogy goes back to Florence Nightingale, but that's <laughs> not story There's no medics in my family. And I was always pretty squeamish as a child. Um, so I I became a Christian um, out of a non-Christian family, which is another story. But that happened when I was almost 15. And from that point on, I was just so zealous and naive that I really thought, I don't need to go to university. I don't need to get a normal job. All I want to do is be a missionary. And from as far back as I can remember, from like the first time I heard it, a missionary come to church and speak, that was all I wanted to do. So my mum, who is at this point not a Christian and has just had this daughter who was like living in wild rebellion and then suddenly overnight becomes this like raging Jesus love it <clears throat> um, but my mum really had high hopes for me academically and she really wanted me to go to uni and get a good job and so you can imagine the clash when I said that I'm just going to go to the jungle and I don't need a degree Um God can use me as I am which is obviously true absolutely but um, I totally dis- discounted any notion that he might have wanted me to go to uni and might have wanted me to have a job so it wasn't until my nan went into hospital to have um a valve replacement in her heart, which is like major surgery, and um it went all a bit wrong, and she ended up in intensive care for six weeks, and we almost lost her um and I was visiting the hospital every day and sitting with her and just she was asleep, so um i just spend my time watching the nurses as while well. I was visiting it, and they really amazed me and I thought I wonder if that's something I could do even though I'm so squeamish I wonder if I could get over it and that was the, f- the first kind of seed planted Um and then as time went on I began to see nursing as a good bridge it could be a good bridge to the mission field and you know it'd give me a skill it could get me into closed countries possibly in the future and so I pursued that prayerfully and really felt it was the right thing to do and I mean I would never rule out, um, overseas mission work, but at the moment I have no plans to go abroad. So what's happened is what I thought was like, um, a bridge to my mission field has become my mission field. And there may never be another mission field after this, you know? So what was like a secular bridge has become the field. Um, and that was all those years ago. So I've been qualified now for, um, I think it's about six and a half years, and then obviously I was studying before that for three, so almost a decade in nursing now, which is crazy. Hmm.
1: I I love that story though because I think you know so often we do tend to think that to, to like to do mission we have to you know get on the plane and go somewhere exotic, whereas actually you know the fact that you know in your case your mission field God had for you kind of like right under your nose yeah. um, is is amazing. I think you know healthcare is so many amazing opportunities there too but how does that work out for you in practice then Georgie because I know you know on the one hand you know it seems I've come across two types of Christians in healthcare one are Christians who seem to keep their heads down and don't like to say anything and they're sort of a bit afraid about you know being outed at, at work as a Christian when to get yeah. on with it and then I also meet lots of Christians who seem to be a bit more like you actually who are like it is an incredible opportunity and so many things I can do so how does that work out out for you why why are you excited about being a christian and being in healthcare
2: yeah that's a good good description actually um i think i started off as a as a, a baby nurse when i qualified as one of those in the first category just wanting to keep my head down and i think we hear so much uh, in the christian press about you know, healthcare professionals getting into trouble and there's so many horror stories um, that it it is a fearful thing and I think I really struggled with that initial transition from student life to qualified life because as a student um, I was very involved in CU and um, and so my thinking was that, you know, all of life is is a mission field and I I could get that as a student I could really get my head around that I was on campus in my lecture theatre um to share the gospel like you know and um to be ready to have conversations about Jesus and then something happens to me I don't know what in the transition between student to qualified, where suddenly I just became so afraid. And I guess I moved back home. So that university environment with this, the CU friends that I'd had were gone. And I just felt like I was on my own and um, suddenly gone from being quite a bold, courageous, um, you know, Christian to really scared new nurse who I I just didn't know how to I mean there are no mission weeks anymore to invite my colleagues to there's no lunch bars that you can invite your friends to so like what do you do and also I don't want to get in trouble when I've only just started and I don't want to lose my job and let's be honest like I think there is a legitimate fear that we may get in trouble professionally But I would say that my fear, and probably the fear of the majority of healthcare professionals, is less about professional matters and more just personally. Like, will I be less popular? I just want to, yeah, I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to get fired and I don't want to end up in the Daily Mail. But also, I want to have friends at work. I don't want to be the outcast. I don't want to be the one that no one talks to because they're a weird Christian and they're going to just keep preaching to us all the time. and so I think that while there is, while there is some um, a, a, a small chance, I would say, of getting into trouble professionally, by far we are more silenced by our fear of man and just our fear of what people think of us and not wanting to cause a stir, wanting an easy life. Like you said, Andy, keeping your head down in order to just blend in yeah. um, and make yeah. life easy, let's be honest yeah and so I think what was um really helpful for me is doing uh, this is not a plug but CMF run a course called the saline solution um and it's a course <laughs> designed to, <laughs> um, it's, it's for all Christian healthcare professionals and um, the aim of the course is to equip Christian healthcare professionals to be witnesses for Jesus in the healthcare workplace so it's very specific. And it's unlike any other evangelism courses that you might do in that it's particularly for that context of the healthcare workplace. And it was life changing for me, really, because I think I started life as a nurse, thinking that in order to be an effective evangelist, have to go and preach the gospel to every patient or take every patient and every colleague from Genesis to Revelation and give them a full gospel presentation. And I felt unable to do that I felt it would have been inappropriate not quite the right place not quite the right time and yeah possibly I could have mm-hmm. got in trouble and so because I didn't feel comfortable doing that I just became silenced um, I was speaking to a nurse in this was a good few years ago uh, in South Wales and she found out about CMF and she said to me oh, this is what we need, isn't it? Because we are gagged, aren't we? We are gagged. And that image has always stayed with me since, that she felt gagged. And I totally related to what she was saying. So I think as a as an early career staff nurse, I felt silenced, gagged, and like, mm. I can't say everything. I'd like to, but I feel like I can't. And so I'm just going to say nothing at all. And then you go into this, like, I suppose you go into your shell, you go into your spiritual shell and you just... You just resign yourself to the fact that you're not going to be able to talk about Jesus at work. And that's such a shame. And I think that happens to so many people. It's like a rut we get ourselves in. And it's devastating, really. But what the Saline Solution course opened my eyes to was the fact that just because you're not going to say everything doesn't mean you have to say nothing. You can say something. And there are many things that you can do and say that are totally appropriate won't get you in any trouble um, and can be really useful for Jesus. So it was just about taking small steps, saying something, and that gave me a sense of kind of someone ripping the gag off me and I was unsilenced.
0: So good to hear that, Georgie. I think what you've just described is just such a a common experience for many of us, particularly going from an environment at university where you've got CU, who, you know, wonderful kind of entity living and speaking for Jesus on campus. But then suddenly you're thrown um, into your workplace where there are fewer Christians, there aren't organised events, and you just feel way kind of um, out of your own kind of comfort zone. And it sounds like um, it's really great to hear that um, your wisdom there saying you don't have to say everything just saying something is really good what what kind of um, advice would you give to those who who are in a similar situation today like how what kind of things can you say what does it look like to kind of be a Christian in that situation where you no longer have the same kind of support and structures um helping you to to share Jesus
2: yeah well something um this this is a tool that is super helpful for anyone who's listening. If you work in a healthcare context, but also if you don't, um, there's a term, and this is totally borrowed material from the Saline Solution course. It's called a faith flag, and it's one of the tools. So there's eight tools that the, the course teaches here, and this is my favorite one. And the idea is just like a ship on no, like a flag on a ship. Um may have the country of its origin and it's just a way of easily identifying where that ship is from. And so as Christians, we can wave a little faith flag that says, I'm a Christian. Um, And that might be that might be what did you do at the weekend? It's so easy, isn't it, to answer that question by telling people all about what you did on Friday and all about what you did on Saturday and then saying, what about you? And if we you know take the plunge and tell them what we did on sunday as well and say and then on sunday i went to church that's a faith flag um or even um i went for a walk with someone from my church and i think really like if if we're committed christians there will be so much of jesus because he will he ought to be saturating our lives so we'll be living in, in christian community um we'll be reading we'll be talking to him we'll be doing christian activities and if our lives are really centered around jesus there'll be so many things um that we can talk about him but i think we get this mentality where we have to go undercover and we have to keep all that side of life secret. And so we don't want to tell our colleagues about the Christian community that we're part of. We don't want to tell our colleagues what we've been reading in our Bibles that morning. We, Heaven forbid we find, tell our colleagues that we prayed on the way to work. Um, and we just feel like we have to keep it all secret. And it's so easy to talk about every part of life apart from that. But really just like our colleagues who are really, our colleague who's really into um I don't know, playing basketball or a colleague who's really obsessed with their dog and is showing like, oh, look what Bertie did this morning and showing you pictures of Bertie the dog or obsessed with their grandkids. Everyone has um, parts of their life outside of work that they're really happy to share. And if we are really living for Jesus then there'll be so much of him in our lives that we can share. So there'll be loads of faith flags. All you have to do is sit down and think about it. So, like, what, yeah, what did you do? The weekend is a good one. I went for a walk with my friend from church on Saturday, or oh, so, someone from my church um, has got that car. Or I don't know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but someone from my church has, I think once you start. Once you stop feeling that talking about church is forbidden, there are so many ways that you can slip it into conversation, very, very naturally and on, um, on you know, inoffensive, unchallenging. Um, and a, a favorite one of mine is like looking at where. Where patients have those labels with their address on, and looking at their address and saying, "Oh, you live in such and such a place." I um, used to. I've been to a church there, or I don't know the area super well, but the only thing I do know there is the only time I've ever been there was for a church service this one time, Um, and yeah, just there's loads of ways that you can slip it into conversation. It might be something that you wear, so um, it might be like a little a little Christian badge or a little fish badge. It might be. I mean, if you're a good driver, then you could have a fish on your car. I'm not, so I don't <laughs> because I don't be a bad testimony when I'm cutting people off. But um, it could be something that you wear. It could be something that you say. Mm. There are loads and loads of faith flags. And the thing is that once you've put one up, a little flag, then everything you do from that point on is is a is a testimony and is part of your evangelism. So it may be that you put up your little faith flag and the person as it were, takes the bait and it's like, oh church, tell me more. And then you end up having a conversation. But it may be that you say, I went to church on Sunday and the person says, That's nice, end of conversation. And it never goes any further, but the point is that you've told them, you've 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 outed yourself as a Christian. Mm. Um and they know from that point on, which just makes things so much easier. I think there's a real sense of like relief when you tell someone that you're a Christian, when you put up that faith flag. And they don't shout at you and they don't pick an argument with you and they don't ask you, why does God allow suffering and how can he kill innocent babies? And they don't ask you to defend your faith. I in mean, the might, and we should be ready for that, of course. But there is a real sense of relief when you think, okay, that person knows now and they still seem like they're okay with me. They still want to talk to me. It's like a few moments. So I don't know what we're expecting. Probably a lot more hostility than we ought to be but um, the more you do that the more you like come out and wave your faith flags to people in the workplace the easier it is to talk Mm. about faith
1: yeah i i love that that imagery of faith flags georgia you're absolutely right it gets it i think easier the more you did it i mean i look back to my before i worked in ministry i worked in i worked in the health service for, for for five years not not doing the front end stuff that you were i was one of those terrible administrators on the on the back end, but I remember as a young Christian making the mistake of not waving those faith flags, actually finding, actually realistically, got harder. The longer you went, it didn't get easier. And the yeah, moment you put the flag so up, great. it actually got it actually got easier, right? Because then, yeah. then you then you've done it. Um, we're kind of short on time, but you know, you've you've given us the theory. What about the kind of what's this look like in practice? Have you got any kind of stories yourself how that's of how that's played out? Perhaps how you know how you you wave, wave the faith flag, things that then have happened as part of that how's that worked out for you in practice because I I love the idea
2: Mm, yeah I think um it just happens over time once people um know that you're a Christian they will feel uh, way more ready to talk about deep things with you when they're ready and so I did um yeah I mentioned this when I was chatting to Gavin Matthews a few weeks ago that in the world of nursing, at 4am, something happens where just everybody's deep questions come out and um, there's been so many occasions sitting at the nursing station at four in the morning on a night shift, writing notes and drinking coffee and trying not to fall asleep and a colleague has just asked you the deepest question you can think about. You know, every, the, the very hard questions for them, like... Um, this happened to me and I've never been able to understand why God let that happen or whatever it might be. And just that time in the morning, I don't know why, but all the, all the spiritual questions come to the surface. And so, you know, if, if it, if I hadn't have previously put up faith flags, because sometimes that's happened, people have asked questions at 4am who've never have put, you know, when I've been doing faith flags, they've been like seemingly no, no response whatsoever. And then suddenly, boom, out comes the deep question. So if someone who you think has no spiritual interest and doesn't want to talk about spiritual things at all will suddenly hit you with something really heavy. And it's clear that there is something spiritual going on under the surface. So if you'd never put up a faith flag, they would never have asked you the question. If they didn't know you were a Christian, they wouldn't have asked you. So yeah, even though you put a faith flag up and you don't get a response, it doesn't mean that in a few weeks time, a few months time, a few years time, as you continue in relationship with these people, that suddenly a spiritual conversation may just come out of nowhere. Um, And something exciting in our hospital that's happening at the moment is we're running an alpha course. So um, this was just it was during during the first wave of the pandemic, there's a group of us that meet in our hospital chapel every month to pray, uh, just pray for the hospital, pray for each other. And obviously, since COVID, we've gone online with those meetings, like everything else, we've been meeting on Zoom. And in one of these Zoom prayer meetings, we were praying and um, I just had this picture in my mind of me and our lead hospital chaplain and we were on the front cover of some kind of like hospital bulletin or e-news and what it was is we we'd run an alpha course in the hospital so i we weren't praying along anything to do with those lines we weren't even particularly praying evangelistically we were just praying and i rebuked myself because i thought Georgie, you can't even focus in prayer for 10 minutes without your mind wandering to see a picture of yourself on the front of a bulletin. Why are you so self-obsessed and can you not just focus in prayer? So I gave myself like a real bit of a slap on the wrist and then tried to focus on the prayer. And at the end of the prayer time, we all said, Amen. And another lady in the prayer meeting said, right, I don't know if this is just me or if this is the Lord. But as we were praying, I, I just kept thinking maybe we could run an alpha course in the hospital. So I was like, no way. How do I tell them that I've been spending the prayer time picturing my face on the hospital bulletin? So I didn't say that, but I said, you know, guys, that's really funny because I had a very similar thought. Um, so we started going into it and actually... God has just been, it's just been amazing how He's opened the doors. Our trust have actually allowed us to run this as part of the wellbeing for staff offering because since COVID there's been a huge emphasis on staff wellbeing. And so there's all sorts of counselling offers and um, which is really, really great. And as part of that now, we're also offering an alpha course. So we're about halfway through. We've had very small numbers, but some incredible questions and some people who are obviously really searching. So, um, yeah, that's just something exciting that um, has happened in our hospital recently. Oh, Georgie, praise the Lord. What a wonderful story. I love hearing like,
0: stories like that. I just feel like the the hair's on the back of my uh, like neck, but I'm pointing to my arm. <laughs> Goosebumps, that's the word um praise the lord thank you so much it's been such a delight to be able to spend these past 20 minutes or so with you georgie we we give thanks to the lord for the ways in which he's obviously just so evidently at work in you and through you um in your in your work as a nurse on an intensive um, care unit thank you so much um Andy, thank you too, and uh, we will be back. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with our with our next wonderful guest. Uh, but for now, keep it real, and uh, we'll see you soon.
2: Bye.